This episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies is brought to you by Oxner Insurance. As fly fishermen and outdoorsmen, we go to the ends of the earth to find that perfect fishing hole. We do everything we can to prep ourselves and our gear for a day on the water and being outdoors. But some of us don't stop and think about the assets that get us there or shelter us when we aren't in the outdoors. Let Oxner Insurance help take away your worries and protect those assets with great policies and auto, home, and life plans. Give Jeremy a call at Oxner Insurance today at 775-657-6050 and rest easy on your outdoor adventure. Oxner Insurance, putting shields of protection around your assets. Fishing is a discipline in the equality of men, for all men are equal before fish. That's a quote from former President Herbert Hoover. In this episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies, we shift that balance in favor of man as we revisit with local fly fishing ace and industry professional Anthony Gulisano to see what he's been up to since our last podcast in the spring of 2020. Anthony will share his experience and wisdom as it pertains to one of his greatest fly fishing passions. And that is cruising and ripping streamers in our local waters, and some of his favorite streamer patterns to tie. We also talk about pike, trout, pyramid lake, and cover down on some fish handling faux pas we commonly observe. And of course, dive into a bit of chatter on some fine cuisine that includes ducks and geese. So sit back and enjoy. All right, and welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. And today we have a repeat visitor with us, local pro and industry professional in the fly fishing world, Anthony Gulisano. Thanks for joining us today. How's it going? Great. Good to be back. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you back, Anthony. You know, your podcast uh, that you were on before is one of our highest rated podcasts. So, you know, we've Got the intro on that podcast, but so what? What are you? What's been going on lately? A lot of streamer fishing. A lot streamer fishing. Yeah. Streamer fishing. Well, after our last podcast, you know, I we we did touch on streamers quite a bit, and that was kind of how I think I, I think that's how I, that's how I won the um the your guys competition there. Right. Um, it was actually with, well, it was with a mouse, but still, um, throwing meat. Um, and from there, I've just, with all the Euro stuff going on and all the nymphing, I'm just like going in the opposite direction. I'm just going to throw big, big, uh, big fat streamers on thick rods. Well, you know what? That was, that was a failed part on my part on the introduction. Uh, let's add that as well. Anthony was our 2020 moonlight madness (laughs) winner in the fall. He pulled out a nice, uh, more than healthy more than healthy brown trout out of the truckie, um, blew the competition away. I don't think uh, there was there was nobody close. So, and, and you did it at a time of year that is traditionally captured by uh, different methods. 
you know, so there's there's a lot to say about that. And on the mouse, and, yeah, it's just everything was so wrong about it, but it ended up so right for you. I think that's the problem <laughs> is we people people definitely on this on this river system I found since I've lived here is nymphing is I mean definitely gonna be more productive. You're gonna catch yeah. more more fish. I think that's gonna be true anywhere you go, but the streamer reaction definitely gets completely, you know, overshadowed. Um especially like where I the industry that I work in. Um I see it all the time and I, I get guys that don't even know, you know, the 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 basics about streamer fishing and and they're they've been into it for a while too. Um not just the Euro guys, not to rag. Um you get guys that 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 have been doing this for five, ten years and really don't even own anything bigger than a six weight or a seven weight. Um you know, and they, they they have a very hard time understanding sink tips and articulated flies and how you would fish them and why you would want to fish them and when and whatnot. Um, so yeah, and I think it definitely could it deserves more attention on on the Truckee and our whole area in general too. Sure. So so what got you started on streamer fishing? Where where was the big capture or where where did you build that foundation and and really kind of start to hone those skills? Well, obviously, like growing up with my dad, um, him guiding, I saw all the different methods. Um, I think so. What I like to do when I was a kid, before I really like grasped fly fishing, was obviously bass, um, and then obviously bycatch would always be pike, throwing into like lily pads and um, cattails. And I found pike and bass on the fly, um, kind of by accident. You know, it was like. You know, my dad gave me a couple of, uh, you know, like deer hair poppers when I was a kid. And he's like, here, throw those and like try to catch some bass. And mm-hmm. I remember I used to take my kayak out on the pond or the little estuary that he lived on Lake Ontario and dr- like go in and out of the cattails and started to get pike. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And then um, just started to throw bigger and bigger flies um, to the point where we were, we were throwing like little duck patterns basically like little baby ducks for pike and bass too you know pretty aggressive fish sure. um and then i never for for whatever reason i just um never really did that a ton with with um i mean i, I would throw buggers for trout um it wasn't until like probably the last couple of years that i really started to try and throw big articulated patterns for trout um it was just I don't know. It was the action on big streamer patterns and popper patterns and top water patterns was way more productive for bass and pike. Um, big, super aggressive predator fish, pretty much going to be in predator mode 100% of the time. Um, but then in the past few years, definitely um, streamers for, for trout has become more and more um, my thing. Um, and then, like, obviously, I won that competition. And we obviously we talked about all the different techniques that are taking place and right. I kind of just doubled down on it. Um, so that's pretty much where I've been lately. And you've had recent success on yeah. our local river on the Truckee river. Um, yeah. And it's somewhat, I, I would say traditionally for the methods of fishing out here, you know, traditionally you won't find a lot of guys throwing streamers. There's a very, there's a very small percentage. Um, but I think there's 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 a a definite well, you're catching fish, plain mm-hmm. and simple, you know. And even in these colder waters where a lot of people go smaller, move slower, you know, they're trying to hit the fish on the head. There's also that secondary thing, and I think, and I 
with the fish that with that colder water, they still need that high caloric intake. They still need to eat. And the bigger the mm -hmm. fish, the more they still need to eat. And yep. it sounds like you're kind of zeroing in on that. Yeah. Well, that's with any, with any streamer, with any type of streamer fishing, you're definitely targeting that aggressive fish that's going to want that big meal, especially when you're throwing like a, a six to like eight inch, you know, sex dungeon or barely legal or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, you're definitely, you're, you're not going for that little, you know, muncher that's sitting there eating little nymphs, like a little, you know, um, you're, you're going to catch less fish. And I think that a, for, for streamer fishing anywhere, not just the Truckee, um, you have a lot of guys that they will try streamer fishing, um, like outside of woolly buggers, they'll try bigger articulated patterns and a bigger yeah. rod and sink tips. And without a doubt, you will catch less fish like that. You plan and simple, but that's the name of the game. You're targeting, you know, instead of going out and throwing an indicator or, you know, euroing or hopper dropper, whatever it may be, um, and catching, you know, 10, 15 fish a day. Now you might only be catching, especially if you're wading from the river, if, if, if you can only wade, I mean, if you can't float the river, obviously that opens up new opportunities, but you might catch three fish a day, but they're going to be more aggressive. Um, and they're going to be t typically a little bit bigger. Um, you know, fish that a fish is going to go after something that's, you know, the size of my hand or the length of my hand is typically going to be a bigger fish. Um, but I think that's where it discourages people is they they go out and maybe they go out on the wrong day or they throw the wrong, the wrong stuff um, and they don't get anything. And to them, it's just like this. They need that instant, you know, gratification type deal. Um, sure. Whereas if you stick with it and you get the right flies and you learn how to dial yourself in just like you would with nymphing or any other type of fishing, um, it can be pretty rewarding. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with going out and catching two, three fish a day, if that. Because it's going to be way more rewarding. Um, I look at it, it's kind of like, you know, if you ever listen to Kelly Gallup talk about it, it's more, you're more or less with streamers, you're hunting. Whereas with nymphs, you're like trapping, you know, you're kind of just <laughs> letting it, you know, you're just, you're just waiting for like the, the mouse to come get the bait with, with nymphing. Whereas streamer fishing, you're, you end up picking apart the water a little more and you're, you're, you're targeting, you're being very methodical with what you're doing and, it's a very active way to fish. How many uh, types of streamers do you use when you're fishing in a day? Uh, we're not when do you this. change it? What do you what do you base it on? Um, so so obviously the the first thing I'm going to look at is what the weather's doing. Um, is it sunny or is it overcast? That's going to dictate usually color. Um, obviously time of year and water temperature are going to dictate size. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go out right now and throw a big, you know, triple dungeon or anything like that. Um, it's it's be way February too 3rd for yeah. the listeners who going to be going to be way too big. Um, definitely stick to like your micros or your minis. You can still throw articulated patterns. Um, but I would say weather is going to dictate a lot of things um, as far as like if it's sunny, if it's overcast um temperature too so when we do get a nice spike in temp um you do see a little bit more active you know these fish they start to become less lethargic and they'll move and go after something um this time of year you definitely have to slow down your retrieve 
Um, so you're going to, you're like right now, if I was going to go out tomorrow, I think we're supposed to maybe hit mid forties. Um, and I probably will go tomorrow. Um, I'm going to use a shorter sink tip. I'm going to, I think we're supposed to have some overcast tomorrow. Um, so I'll probably yeah. start. Yeah. I'll start with a darker fly. So a black, like a dark Brown, um, you know, and, and, and start hitting water that I'm pretty sure there's going to be fish and I'm going to do more of a slow retrieve. I'm not going to do a crazy, just throw it in and rip it. I'm going to do more of like a, a swing, but with like an active swing, um, giving it some action. And then as like, you know, after like five, 10 minutes and I'm not really getting anything, then I'm going to, I'm going to stay to that same size range. I'm not going to really try to go bigger or smaller, like stay in that micro, you know, sub four inch streamer. Um, and then you start switching colors and usually it's, so if you start with like a black, um, and it's not working, your next step should be, well, I'm gonna try olive. And then if olive isn't working, then you're going to go, what's the next, like the next thing on the spectrum, then go white or go yellow. Um, and then, then you can start getting into your crazier colors, like your purples, your chartreuses, uh, your reds, oranges, orange, actually orange and yellow work really good on the truckie. Um, especially for browns. I don't know if it's the yellow. I don't know if the yellow just like pisses them off or something, but well, those browns have pretty, they have that, uh, a, a cannibal mentality, yeah, if you want to yeah. call it that. So they're like, Oh, it's a baby version of me. I'm going to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my, one of one of a pattern that we did really well on over the summer was a, uh, it was, it was a, um, a barely legal, but without, obviously we, we didn't put a cone head on it. We were throwing um, just a wool head on it, um, and we were doing a yellow yellow bottom with a brown top, and that was doing really well. Almost almost any type of weather, we were doing really well. Interesting, yeah, interesting. And so so with uh, you know with the streamer fishing, you mentioned pike, mm-hmm. and that and that and that's something that, with, with the exception of maybe one or two or maybe no more than that in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> pike waters. Uh, how much did you learn streamer fishing for pike, and did that any of that translate into your your methodologies on fishing for trout? And how many stitches do you have from pike fishing? <laughs> I've got I've got a couple actually. So if you look at my finger, obviously we're not doing this in video, but I've got on my um my my right index finger. Um, I've got a pretty decent like scar on my first knuckle there um and then there's another one up on my actual on my hand on my right on my right hand yeah um, i've got a couple couple here and there um yeah they'll they'll get you for sure um, yeah it, with, it, it, you could talk a little bit about that because i don't think people are familiar you know like with with any type of fish you're like oh you know there's there's small teeth or whatever but maybe maybe describe to the audience a little bit if they're not familiar with pike fishing let's say you got one on the end of your line and you're bringing it in like what's What's different? What's different about handling that fish or, or not handling <laughs> that fish? Uh, well, like, you know. you're going to get bit sooner or later. They're, they're <laughs> like, they're like little velociraptors. Um, so they're not they're So pike, they're, they definitely, they, they don't seem to run as hard as a trout will. Um, they'll fight you near the boat. Like they're, they don't seem to just go, you know, and, and put you into your backing. Um, they're the, the, the hit is very hard. So when they, when they do take, they are very aggressive. Um, and they're, they're, they're not shy at all. I don't know if anybody's 
ever seen it, but guys will bring them right up to the side of a boat and do a figure eight in, in the water, you know, clearly that you can, like the fish can see you, but they're so oh. dialed in like that, that, that predator gene in them just takes over and they, they're just dialed in. They're looking at your fly and nothing else in the world is going to change that. Um, and they'll, they'll get really aggressive. The flies we used for them a lot bigger. Um, definitely like not anything I would throw for trout around here. Um, I mean, you're talking like up to like 10 inch dragon tails. Um, there's, there's a, there's a ton of different pike flies and really what they come down to is just being big and typically flashy. Um, obviously top water patterns you can do use like ducks. You can use frogs, like little baby ducks work really good. I'm sorry. Um, Did you say, did you say ducks? Yeah. Yeah. Like baby ducks, like baby, Baby baby duck patterns. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Ben? You know what? I don't know. I, I would say it's okay. <laughs> Bless their little hearts. The cycle of life. Yeah, they're they're um I we I mean where I grew up we we would kayak around and you'd see like a family of little baby ducks swimming along with mama and every now and then one of them would get grabbed. Just like a bobber yeah. going down, just boop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just grab them and it's gone. You know, there's wow. nothing. Yeah, they're 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 aggressive. Um, wow. And musky kind of fall into that same category too. You know, they're another aggressive. You know, they're in the same family there, and they're going after stuff that you typically would never throw for a trout. Sure. Um, you, but you definitely, when you get them into the boat, um, yeah, getting the hook out of their mouth is definitely a pain. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. hey, let's 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 roll over into so with local waters. I mean, we're we're covering obviously the Truckee River a little bit mm-hmm. here, but our other popular water out here right now is 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 uh, is the big pond out there, the Pyramid. Yeah. Um, have you had any? Have you had streamer success out there? Have you seen a difference between you know because you got a different balance out there? You have a mm-hmm. different balance where you have you have you have diehard guys that want to strip, mm-hmm. you know, and pull a streamer. You got the diehard indicators. Or you have that 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 interesting little combination that you don't see many places where you're hanging a streamer. Mm-hmm. For those that aren't you familiar with it, usually it's like a balance balance leech type uh, uh, pattern under an indicator, which in most cases some people that's against their methodology. But have you have you seen any advantages, disadvantages, or what, what what's it been like for you out there personally? Last year was the first year that I started fishing it. Um, and I was doing mostly indicating because that was kind of what I was shown. This is like, this is how you fish it. This right. is how you catch fish. Um, right. And then I, I actually, I, I fished like that when, when COVID, the whole COVID shutdown happened. Um, I was, I bought like, like work shut down, everything else was done. And then they were going to shut down that coming Monday. So I was like, screw it. And I bought like season pass and just went out there hard for like four days straight. Uh-huh. Um and the last couple of days I was out there by myself and like, you know, I wasn't with the guys that I normally was with that were like, you know, you just have to go out there with a spay rod or a rod to indicate with. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to throw my, you know, I'm going to take, take my typical streamer set up for the river sure. and just throw buggers. Um, and I had really good action on that. So yeah. then when the season, when the season, and that was like the last day, um, okay. I had a really good day. And then, um, when the season opened back up this year, the first time mm. I went out it was like the first Thursday they were open and we sat there and 
threw um and we 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 threw um nymphs most of the morning yeah and didn't get anything um right. neither me neither me and my buddy and we're like okay so then we we immediately switch over to um to streamers and we actually did really good on like the little beetles and all sure. the, the boobies yeah. um so i had a 20 fish day i'm sorry you say 20 fish 20, 20 fish. fish yeah a couple wow. of them were smaller like we had we definitely had some some smaller fish uh-huh. um and we were doing like a very slow strip okay um then we went out we went out the following sunday and got completely skunked um doing, uh, the, same, doing the same thing right. um and then we went out again like two weeks ago we went out and had like three fish per person um, sure so that was definitely like a you know a fluke but <laughs> It was it was good. It was cool to like you know see that it is very active that you can do it on streamers out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it sounds like you caught like when you had that twenty fish day. I think you had. Well, it sounds like your positioning and location was right, and you're probably catching mm-hmm. the edge of a potential bait ball from what you're throwing and the, the quantity yeah. of fish that you had. You you definitely you're in the great place, you know, because mm-hmm. you know what you're describing like a three fish day or a four fish day, or even get to like five or six. That's a good day from the shoreline out there. Yeah, you know, it's not not nothing to get upset about. So, yeah, no, we didn't have any no no monsters. I think my biggest fish was like twenty three inches. Um, oh. Everything was in that like high teens range um, for the nice. most part. Yeah, uh, but that that was, that was fun. Yeah, um, I um, where I work, we don't get a lot of people that are requesting any to ever do streamers out there mm-hmm. um comparatively um most people just want to hang a bug it's kind of like the river yeah. too yeah. yeah no it's it's true and i know i know personally i've had uh good success out there in in a similar methodology i i'm i'm a fan of using a an oversized uh balance leech and i'll, I'll mm-hmm. indicate with it you know but it's same thing it's 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 a similar uh methodology um I try to keep it active. I I don't. I'm not a fan of just watching the indicator mm-hmm. go up and down. You you give it a little bit of movement, and if you if you lack wave movement, you know you adjust your methodologies. Just my, much like you're describing on the Truckee River, where you would start with a dark pattern, mm-hmm. you know, and you would progress. You progress upwards, and especially if you have a uh, a lot of sunlight, you know, lack of uh, overcast, uh, or especially especially when it gets flat, you know, you're like okay. Mm-hmm. And that's when you lighten up, go deeper, and you know the same. It's almost the same game. You know, we're we're dealing with the same species of fish. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a trout. It wants to eat de- something big. And uh, I definitely think a slower retrieve out there is better too. Um, I haven't had much luck just ripping it in. Um, what I like to do is I take a a full sinking line, and then I take so Scientific Angler makes this like five foot floating tip uh-huh. that you can throw on the end of your sinking line. Um, so you take a full sink line or an intermediate line, um, and then throw like throw that five foot that five foot float tip on it, and then throw like a balance leech or a messy minnow or something like that. And then behind that trailing, you put your beetle or your booby, um, and that floating line along with the booby helps keep everything up off the bottom. Um, sure. So so you're, it's just your line kind of dragging across the bottom, um, and give yourself a much and keeps keeps you out of the weeds too. Um, and just a very slow, you know, winding retrieve in. 
Right. And that's a classic signature of that lake is when you drag in some weeds, you're like, well, I'm definitely on the bottom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's never like a weed structure like you would find on, you know, common lakes or rivers where you're like, you know, hard snagging or, or anything. You just, you just bring all that aquatic vegetation just right up to you. So yeah. it's usually not too much of a, <laughs> of a hassle. You're not losing too many flies out there. That's a, that's a plus about the place, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, absolutely. I was so. going to say, uh, the last time we talked, you were heading out pretty early in the morning. Mm -hmm. You were, um, I don't know, was it two or three in the morning? That was the mousing. At the mousing. Yeah. So now, yeah. what time are you hitting the river in the wintertime? Afternoon. Afternoon, so why is that? You need the warmer temps. Sure. Um, because it, it does get colder. It's not... I mean, we're not getting insanely, like, we're not getting bitter, cold, freezing temps where you're going to shut all streamer action down. Right. Um, but definitely letting the sun hit the water or just mm -hmm. letting that ambient temperature kind of bring things up. Um, so, like, mid-afternoon, like, noon on, I would say would be better. And then as as the days get longer, it's only going to get better. Um, but, yeah, so if you go out and throw streamers, I think... Um, I mean, usually fishing for anything I mean, I've found in the morning when it's super cold out is going to be pretty non-productive. Um, but definitely, you know, letting that sun come up, hit the water for a couple hours, um, that's going to bring things up a notch. Yeah, I'm not doing any nighttime missions this time of year. Um, <laughs> we'll have to wait for that. Right. But, right. But we don't get we don't get as cold as back back where I'm from. Um, unless you're fishing in like a lake, um, pretty much any river system is shut down to any type of stream reaction. You know, it's, I mean, you might get that one fish that just needs that, that high caloric intake that might take something, but I mean, you're talking like, I mean, Burlington, Vermont, I mean, it's like negative 10 for like two weeks straight, you know, it just, everything is like, yep, I'm not eating anymore. Um, yeah, that's, that's not a good time at all. Yeah. Doesn't sound like but it. <laughs> here, here we don't, here we don't get that. You know, that's the nice thing about the Truckee. Maybe if you go up to like, you know, you're up in Verdi or up in the mountains, but as far as like downtown going east of town, everything stays pretty warm. So you can yeah. definitely get away with the streamer action out here. That yeah, this no, time of year. no yeah. definitely, definitely. And you know, in another area I wanted to talk about and, and our listeners to, to hear about is your, is your fly tying skills. You run a lot of streamers. Mm -hmm. And I, if, if, and if you're not following Anthony, if you have an Instagram, what, what's your Instagram, uh, handle? Ant, you, Ant Golisano. Pretty Ant. simple. All right. Yeah. Um, and, and you're constantly tying new variations, new, mm -hmm. new things and, and variants and, and whatnot. Um, what, what, what kind of inspired you to do that versus just going to the store and buying them or, or, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I, mean, I think it's like with any, with anything fly tying, it's it's always better to catch it on your own fly. So that's number one. Um, there, it's actually I'm, I'm a pretty I will say this I'm a pretty shitty fly tire. Um, when it comes to smaller stuff like tying nymphs, I'm like, eh, you know, I can tie I can tie stuff that works, but it, like when you compare it to other stuff, it's like, but I don't know if it's my dexterity or just my my skills in general. But if you give me a big streamer to work with, I can actually get the nice detail in there and um do some pretty cool stuff um and then i find like there's other there's there's a lot there's some attributes of some flies that i like that i want to combine with attributes of another um like for the longest time we couldn't find 
Um, like I really like barely legals because the whole the whole thing is just all marabou, but I couldn't find that with I. You could only find that with a cone head. Like anywhere oh. you went to buy a fly, it uh-huh. was it was like a cone head or one of those fish skull heads. And I was like, I don't want that. Maybe I I, I want to go. I want to be completely weightless. I don't want to add any extra weight to it. Um, so I wanted to do like a wool head or uh, a deer a deer hair head on something like that. Um, and then same thing for like, uh, you know, I I just tied up um, a Viking midge. Um, but whenever you buy the Viking midges or the mini Viking midge. Um, the head is very cone, like they, it, they, they tie the head with wool. Um, but they, 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 they kind of ang- the, the head turns into like a triangle whenever you buy it, it's cut a certain way. I wanted a nice rounded wool head to displace more water. Um, yeah. so I was able to do stuff like that. That's, that's really what's leading me to do stuff to, to special, integrate some of these patterns. Special request for you. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tie us a burrito? A burrito? What looks like lettuce, maybe some <laughs> tomato, maybe some refried beans spilling out behind it. I can try. The burrito fly. Ben has been longing for the burrito fly for the longest time. I want I want to <laughs> catch a fish on the burrito fly. I so, want to find what? that fish. I wonder how that would work. I, I don't, but you know, think about it. Ben's idea is great. It not only it's it's first and foremost your first take of it. It's oh, this is a novelty fly, so uh-huh. it's catchy. But but Ben's philosophy behind it is that it's actually productive. Yeah. You can literally throw a mini burrito and prove the fact that both humans and fish love burritos. So I, I've seen I've seen some weird stuff. I've seen. Um, the coolest thing that I saw was a guy used a a little Lego dude as a fly, and it worked. And it worked. Yeah. What kind of Lego dude? It was like a little, one of those little Star Wars Lego guys. I think it was like he was the, like Obi Wan or something like that, and just ran a hook off the back of it. And just That's used hilarious. that. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you feel that with streamer fishing? Like, so if you're tying, do you think it gives you a little bit more? Um, I would say a little bit more insight into what you're fishing for because you have to, you're being particular about colors, patterns, mm-hmm. how the, how this fly is going to act. Do you think it just it gives you a little bit uh, a broader perspective and, and understanding of the waters that you're fishing by by just by tying? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think the big thing is like you you go you want to look at the, I think the the biggest thing you should look at in anywhere you're going to fish or sculpin, you're going to find sculpin pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah. But their colors are going to be different, and their sizes can be different. They have okay. some of them have this like translucent look to them. Some of them are like pitch black. Um, okay. A lot of the waters we'd fish back east, they'd be they'd have this very dark color to the top of them. Out mm-hmm. here, they're more olivey, brown, brownish olive. Um, yes. And then like the the bellies will be different too. So you'll yeah. have like yellow bellies. Sometimes they'll be white. Um, their their eye colors will be different sometimes, um, uh-huh. so yeah, I think that with streamer fishing, I definitely have to look more at where I'm fishing and what the what the bait what the bait species are in that area. Sure, um, sure. And sculp sculpin are a good indicator. That's a good way to st- good place to start. Then you look at stuff like chubs, um, you know, what other type of trout are there, stuff like that. Sure. 
here's 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 the big loaded question. So if you had to pick a single streamer and it, just a, a single pattern, I won't I won't limit you to colors, but if you had a single streamer pattern to work with, let's just say in this area, like I need a streamer that I can fling on the trucky, I can fling on uh, uh, Frenchman's, I could throw it on the trucky. What would probably be your single go-to? Uh, the the barely legals that we were tying, but with with the wool head. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because you can tie because it's the you can obviously use all different types of marabou. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not limited to one color, right? No, no, no. Okay, just, yeah. just 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 yeah. a pattern. Right just a pattern. Right yeah. there. Super yeah. simple fly to tie. Um, if anybody's going to tie, if anybody's going to get into like articulated streamers, that's, that'd be like the fly to start with. Cause it's, it's all it is, is marabou. You know, there's, there's some chenille in there and obviously you're going to work with two different hooks and your wire and all that stuff. Um, you don't have to use the cone heads. You can do wool, you can do, uh, deer hair, you can do whatever you want for the head. Um, but the nice thing is, um, you're going to use, you, you can use barred marabou, you can use regular, you can do two-tone, you can do a um, bunch of different kind of cool patterns with them. Yeah. Um, the way they move through the water is pretty awesome. Like, if you ever get one, just put it in the water next to you and watch what it does. Um, they're, they give they give a lot of movement, and I think they're kind of one of those, like, all-around patterns. They're kind of like a patch, like a basic patch rubber leg. You know, it's going to look like a couple, a couple different things. You know, it could look like a crayfish, could look like this. Whereas with with um, with the legals, I think they're going to look like, you know, whatever you want it to look like. Yeah. 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 And you can tie them as big or as small as you want, and they're not going to be that hard to do. Sure. Now, are you fishing barbless and all the and yeah. all your stuff? You are. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good practice. Which which actually brings me to a, another point that you're pretty. Uh, adamant and passionate and 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 you do educate who you can about and that's and it's actually a really important topic um regardless of the water that you fish Mm -hmm. um and that's you know fish handling techniques and i think that's something that comes with sometimes a form of stigma you know maybe folks go out and they're like oh i got i got my net and that's that's their safe fish handling technique but i don't think there's um you see a lot of different things out there. Maybe once you want, yeah. instead of let me talk about one, why don't you kind of tell me about your fish handling techniques and maybe some of the common mistakes that you see out there and, and, you know, some corrective measures to ensure that, you know, folks are taking care of these fish and that they understand what's happening. Like if, if they mishandle it, it may look happy when you mm-hmm. send it off, but you know, what, what are the repercussions for mishandling a fish? You know, you know? Well, I think we, I think we talked about this in the last podcast a um, little bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think people people have this notion that, oh, if it swims off fine, it's okay. It's like you're missing a whole, you know, huge part of that fish's biology and what can happen to it down the road. Um, so I think the last time we talked about, like, you know, it was a lot of people, like, just the way they were, like, they were dragging fish onto the, onto the shore. Um, obviously, that's a no-no regardless yeah. of regardless of if you're spin fishing or, you know, if you're going to keep it, what whatever. But, right. um <clears throat> Uh, that's obviously the no, no, the big thing that I've seen, um, and for people that I think should know better, um, is using gloves, Uh the use of, and and I don't, I mean, there's the whole argument about like wearing latex gloves and whatnot. Like that's, you know, whatever. Um, 
my thing that I see is just the being in winter is guys are wearing wool gloves. Um, wool they're wearing gloves. those those sun gloves that have um, like a silicone tacky kind of texture on the bottom. Uh-huh. Um, and they're they're handling fish. I mean, like it's like you realize what you're doing to that fish. Um, I don't know. I've seen so many fish this past fall, um, especially with the amount of people that are getting into it now. Um, I've seen a lot of fish that have clearly been tailed, you know, with a rough glove or, or uh-huh. a dry or a dry hand. But yeah. I'm going to I'm going to guess a glove of some sort, whether it's a sun glove or a wool glove. I mean, you're, we're finding fish that are that have that, that are rotting off at the tail. And typically that's a sign of somebody holding it in the water. And they think like, oh, yeah, I'm keeping it in the water. But you're also you know, you're using a rough textured glove that right. is going to scrape off some of that slime and allow that fish to get an infection and possibly and more likely end up dying. Um, But everybody has this notion of, oh, well, it swam off fine. Well, you're missing a huge point of, of, of that fish's life. Um, Obviously we can all agree that gilling a fish is wrong. um, Dragging it on land is wrong, but I think the glove thing definitely gets overlooked quite a bit. And that's then that's a good point because um, at Pyramid you see you see guys fishing, not all of them, but um, they'll use like the latex. They'll they'll put on a, a soft liner underneath, and they'll put the latex on. I mean, maybe the latex, it, not the worst way to to go about it, but a, a dry latex on on a on a wet fish bad. Yeah. You know, wet wet latex. I, I get it, um, but. I love the point about the wool gloves and the gloves yeah. that have that have the texture on them. Yeah, um, that makes absolute sense because you know, and especially your hands are uh, extremely warm and probably have mm-hmm. other things on them. You know, so they're combining with that fish skin and getting ground in, and all kinds of goodies are getting in there. And you know, who who knows? Who knows? Well, and <laughs> it's know? made. It's definitely like seeing what's going on with the fish um, uh-huh. and seeing everybody using gloves. It's kind of it's even made me be like, I don't, I don't do I even want to get a picture of that of this fish? Uh-huh. Like if you go on my if you go on my Instagram lately, it's all been just pictures of fish in my net. Like yeah, I'll, I'll keep it in in the water, take the hook out, you know, get a picture of it in the water. Um, I don't even want to touch them anymore, um, unless maybe maybe if it's like a giant and I've got a buddy there who's ready to take a picture of it real quick. Uh-huh. Um, like the last picture I got at pyramid. Um, but even then I think it's, it's with, with the heavy influx of people fishing, it's obviously taking a toll. Um, cause I'm not the only one that has seen this happening on the river. Uh-huh. Um, there was a post from actually, I think FBI, the hat that I'm wearing. Um, uh-huh. they re they re they reposted a guy back in like September who posted a picture of a huge rainbow that was rotting off at the tail. Um, oh, wow. So other other people on this river system are noticing it, and, and not just here. Even, I mean, all across the country. Sure. Um, and trout, obviously, like a bass is one thing. You know, a big, you know, fish like like a fish like that that has the thicker scales. Um, they're they're a little more impervious to stuff like this. But trout, sure. you really can't. You got you got to be careful with how you handle them. Sure, sure. And isn't there kind of a little bit? I'll back up to another species that we were talking about previously, and that's mm-hmm. the pike. Mm-hmm. So it is the pike. I, I've heard some things about um, it's almost the opposite. Like I'm sure you have to have good fish handling techniques once so you don't, you know, uh, the teeth or the rakes and the gills. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, could you talk a little bit about that slime coating? And maybe if you leave that slime coating on your hands, is there any repercussions for not washing your hands if you handle a, 
a nasty pike or a lot of pike. I've heard some stories in some places about that. You know, what they, they I have, know of. The yeah. only thing I can think of is, um, I think I think it can aid into like some some types of fungus in okay. humans. That's the only thing. I, that's but I it's it's not anything that I've ever like I've ever encountered personally. Um, right. Obviously, the smell is one thing, but yeah, I've heard I've heard I've about that. Seen. And I've heard about that. Yeah. Can you can you real can you smell pike? Like I've heard people yeah. talking about yeah. like oh here's pike. Well, how do you know? Because I could smell them, and you're like yeah. Well, that's offensive. <laughs> a lot of those predator. So, same thing with walleye. Like you can almost tell the smell of them. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's what they eat. Um, I never got into that. I never got that deep into understanding why they smell differently than like a sure. trout or something like that. Sure. Um, but you could definitely. There's definitely a distinct smell to them. Interesting. Um, so, so back on the fish handling. Um, what about nets? Silicone. It, why? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's I know that's how Ben and I go. Yeah, I think you most know. I think most people oh. are there. Most people are at the silicone net thing now, just yeah. because of uh, you know Fish Pond has done a really good job of 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 marketing their nets. I mean, they're uh-huh. cool, they're lightweight. So that, but if you're doing that, but you, <clears throat> then you're grabbing it with a wool glove, you're defeating the purpose. Sure, <clears throat> sure. And I, I got a sidetrack here a little bit because Ben yeah. has the the best story about the fishing net when it was first. Uh, uh, the net that he, I forgot where he got it from, but he got a good silicone ghost net, and he had this way of explaining it on how it it would either make or break your self esteem and self opinion for the day of what you caught. Remember that net, Ben? Yeah, the bottom of the net had bigger holes than the rest <laughs> of the net, and if I got a a trout and it was able to wiggle through that net back into the water. I knew it wasn't worth getting (laughs) and you'd pull it in and you'd put it in, you would net it and then you would realize not this one. (laughs) It'd go right through the net. And then I wanted to get a different net and I thought, why? Why? This is is the self-esteem meter. Yeah. Why change it? Yeah. yeah it like it, it actually like subtracts from your your catch count you're like negative one <laughs> right one getting away before it got into the net counted as zero but one getting out of your own net into the water from the net that did count as a minus yeah. one right it's pretty bad yeah yeah it's just big big red letters on the scoreboard behind your head everybody's walking by what'd you get negative one <laughs> How's that yep. possible? Just watch. <laughs> right. And the best is when the hook was still in the mouth, too. So yeah. they're in the water. Insult to all. injury. Yeah, insult to injury. Yeah. Like you you, you, yeah. you almost have the opportunity to blow it off. Like that didn't really happen. And then there yeah, it is. Yeah. You're just and like, it won't go away. It won't. <laughs> it's just the, the impervious fish, and it's just going to prove a point. You're like, wow, this is happening. Yes. Now, speaking of good things that happen, Mm -hmm. that are happening, Nico's been telling me a lot about your refrigerator and freezer. Oh, all the all the duck and goose meat that I have. So I I duck. Obviously, I I mean I duck hunt and I goose hunt. Um, pretty much. That's like I didn't win any tags this year, so that was the only type of hunting I was able to do. Um, it was the same thing last year. 
Um, so yeah, I have most of the meat that I'll eat for the rest of the the year, unless I you know buy stuff from Nico. Um, will be duck or goose. <laughs> right, right. And you had you had some. Uh, I know I know we did a little uh, Indian trading, and he gave yeah. me this. Uh, he gave me this. Uh, uh, it was a goose breast. Uh, Canadian goose. That was right. Mm-hmm. It was Canadian goose breast. Yep. Still with the tenderloin on it, and that was fascinating. It was even more fascinating about that was and and Ben just picture this. He didn't travel far for that one. Yeah. What, what, did you get that at Washoe Lake? That was Washoe Lake. Yeah. Like he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna go to opening, Washoe. That was opening weekend. So opening weekend was weird this year. We had last so last season. Um. I didn't shoot a goose until like middle of November. Um, the season for anybody that doesn't know, the season usually opens sometime beginning of October. Um, last year I didn't shoot a goose. I barely even saw any geese until middle of November this year. This year the geese were everywhere. And I had two days in a row where I limited out on geese. Um, so that was pretty crazy. Yeah. So I have decent amount of goose meat. I made some goose jerky too. How about how many months of, of waterfowl food supply do you have located in your residence at this point i can last until maybe next season wow wow yeah. i that's eat a lot though yeah <laughs> that's incredible and you know you know last time we did our podcast we did ask you about your your favorite burrito and i think mm-hmm. we we know that we're going to bypass that we're going to go to your the best meal or one, maybe one of the best meals you've had at home or abroad, um, specifically with wild game, mm-hmm. you know, or your waterfowl. Is there anything that you've, that you've, uh, that you've whipped up lately or had the experience that you want to share with, with folks? So I would say recently it was with some snow geese. Um, okay. they, they get, they definitely, they're one of those birds that get, get overlooked a lot of people look at them kind of like carp almost they look at them as like a trash bird they're not they taste really good they're uh they're a lot so you had the you had the canadian goose um snow goose is a lot more tender um Uh and so i made it for my wife she's a little like iffy on it because she's had she's had canadian and she's kind of like iffy on that she likes duck um so what i did was i took a couple um snow goose breasts marinated them in olive oil and orange juice overnight um that really helped tend like the orange juice the acidity of the orange juice really helped tenderize them sure. even more than what they already were and then um really kind of gave them this little bit of a tang to it uh take them out dry them off um seasoned them um with some just rufous steak seasoning um and then grilled them up and then made like a cherry kind of glaze sauce to go over it that was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I always do stuff like so I've always tried to find different ways to cook cook the the game that I harvest. Um nothing I mean, obviously nothing beats like a, a fresh fatty mallard breast, but you can get pretty creative with everything else. Sure. And that you know what? And and for the sake of the podcast I'll accept that answer because I was hoping you were gonna say elk. <laughs> elk is pretty yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love elk. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so what about a snow goose burrito? Have you ever contemplated that? I've made, so we've done plenty of tacos, like 
I'll, uh-huh. I'll take Canadian, the Canadian goose because it is a little tougher, um, and I'll slow cook it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to put it, put it in the crock pot, put a couple breasts in the crock pot um, with some you know beef broth and some taco seasoning and nice. or fajita seasoning, and let it slow cook all day. Come home, pull it apart, mix it in with the juices, and make tacos. I haven't made a burrito yet, but not far off. No, no. I think that'd just be an interesting concoction because it feels yeah. like you can kind of, you know, there's all the common stuff that you put in a burrito. You know, we always mm-hmm. talk about, you know, the, the typical. You got carnitas, you got, you know, carne asada. Um, some folks are into the beef tongue uh, mm-hmm. and other items. But, you know, you really don't see much with the uh, with the bird in it. Chickens Water- don't count. Waterfowl <laughs> definitely is not. So, for anybody that's listening, waterfowl is not... Um, it's not like chicken. It's not white. It's red meat. Yep. You eat it. You could eat it. So if you make a, a, a duck breast, you're going to eat it rare like you would a ribeye. Like you yep. want it to be red. Like it does, they don't carry salmonella or anything like that. Um, so when I cook a duck breast, um, I'm treating it just like I would a ribeye. I'm salt and peppering it, letting it come up, to letting it, letting it warm up a little bit, and I'm just searing each side and eating it like that. You know, nice. Cook it medium rare, rare, however you like your steak. You could do the same thing with a goose breast or a now duck breast. Now let's roll that <clears> over to if you have a favorite freshwater fish that you like to prepare. If you went out and you fished for something that you definitely want to keep, what would be a favorite, a fan favorite for, for Anthony? Walleye. Walleye. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I haven't had walleye out here, um, but that was always like, I mean, that was like the creme de la creme back east was walleye, especially yeah. their cheeks. If you pop their cheeks out, they're like little, um, <clears throat> they're almost like little scallops. I'm glad yeah. you said that. I'm glad yeah. you said that because that's, that's a rare, uh, a rarely sought after delicacy or rarely understood uh, with walleye. Uh, a classic for that would be halibut, halibut cheeks. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. Well, not yeah. same thing as walleye, but it's, it's. It's it's beyond something special, you know. Yeah. But it's 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 hard to find, and they're and you think halibut's pricey, halibut yeah. cheeks is that's that's what they call an investment. Yeah, <laughs> it's an investment. <clears throat> ben, you would love it. I know you've been on the vegan kick, Ben, and you're dying over there. For all of you, we're we're all doing this on Skype, so we can all see each oh. other. And Ben's face is just like, I wish I could eat meat. I wish I could. <laughs> do you still do fish, Ben? Do you do do you do seafood at all, or? You know what? I don't even. It's, it's if unless time. you edit in the violin music, I can't talk about it. I'll oh. just say it's been about a year and a half, a good year and a half since I've I, I've been eating plant based. Yeah. And anyways. Yeah, we've been doing I great with that though. I still appreciate. I appreciate meat, and um, it's beautiful. It tastes good. I just. I've been doing this uh, plant-based, and um, I'll be honest, it's just one long disappointment. <laughs> but the problem is the energy level. Yeah. I just, when I surf, when I fly fish, when I, I'm out, I just have so much more energy. So that's why I'm doing it. But as far as you know, talking about meat, nothing will taste as good as good meat. <laughs> right. And it's Period. funny. I'm, pro- I'm probably one of the last humans on the face of this earth that witnessed Ben actually consume 
uh, a low grade beef product. That was at one of uh, at our, our, our former employer, uh, AKA we'll just name him <laughs> clippity clop. And he would, he would hold these little, uh, oh, these Christmas company parties. Christmas parties and the little, you know, uh, midweek or end of the week, whatever potlucks and, and, Oh, those are great. I love them. He, you I did love, love those. Potluck. And one of the employees used to bring in this, this, what was it? Some type of beef stew or something. And Ben couldn't. It was an Irish. It was for oh, um, yeah. St. Patrick's Day. So there was all That's this right. Irish food, which I love. Yeah. Oh, and Ben, Ben, it was like, it was like a, a, a mule kicked him in the stomach, just doubled over, but you couldn't stop eating the stuff and you paid the price for a few days. But I think that was, that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> for ben. ben and red meat don't they don't they don't get along very well yeah. but he loves it it's funny he like he's willing to pay the price and he's a true trooper for that <laughs> really i keep i keep saying i'm not going to keep doing this but i'm yet i am so it just keeps going and i can't see it ending but as far as advocating that you're going to be uh enjoying your food just as much that's not comments not going to come out of these lips so so you're doing so you're doing, so you've gone vegan for health reasons not is it is it more ethics or is it health it's zero ethics okay and <laughs> uh, i wouldn't even say health i would say more energy level okay yeah the ethics you know i really feel like there is a place for hunting because, mm-hmm. you know, the big problem is that a lot of uh, people have with meat is just the whole big process of it. Yeah. But yeah. Hunting, sure. hunting really takes that away completely. Yeah. So oh. it's sustainable. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. It, in fact, going plant-based um, really kind of opened my eyes to the purpose of hunting. But mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought of it before. Yeah, so, I find... I find I have more in common with um, so I have more in common with people that are um that are vegan based on the ethical um portion of it um as a hunter because they're you know it's because I the I I obviously I still eat meat from the store every now and then and I I, I tried not to um but I do see the the horrors of um you know, big factory farms and it's the way things go. So yeah, I've, I've, I've actually had some pretty interesting conversations with people that are vegan based on the ethics. And they're like, yeah, actually like, like they actually appreciate hunting, um, for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it it does. And you know, the distribution of food, that's kind of where the ethics to me come in is, is how it relates to, um, the humans, you know, Mm -hmm. The ma- more masses could be fed instead of spending so much food to feed a yeah. cow that'll feed a lot less people than yeah. all, all the grains they've consumed. Yeah, and absolutely like the health factor too, like on a, a wild harvested uh, animal or fish um, is is far better for for us as humans to eat, you know, versus, yeah. you know, a, um, you know, something that's, you know... <laughs> You know, overprocessed. You know, fed the specific. You know, like, look at chickens. Look oh, at God, chickens alone. That's the uh, worst. That's that's probably the worst out of them all. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. I could yeah, tell you stories I, about I, chickens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we won't I talk about it here, about, but 
<laughs> I complain about the taste, but I'm actually coming around now where there's there's a lot of stuff I, I'm really starting to enjoy. But mm-hmm. I won't be uh, – I just feel good. That's, That's cool. Yeah. Feel More good power to, to you, dude. Too good to stop. Yeah. Ben, tougher, ben is ben is the only than I am. Ben's the only vegan in the world that I will tolerate on a personal level. I just, I just look right past it. <laughs> for, does he talk about it all the time? Record? No, no. Okay, there you go. Oh, he he just no. He just just like here. He talks about how much he misses it. You'll see something. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll talk about it. You'll see me eating something meat, and he's like, "Man, that looks so good." <laughs> well, I don't yes, you're right. use the word vegan. I like to just say plant based. Plant based. So. Very good. And then like if that. somebody's suggesting to go somewhere, I don't even bring it up. I just see where we're going and then figure it out from there. But, yeah. Uh, That's anyway, a good call. But That's going a good call. Good. But I'm interested. I, I do love to find out what people are catching when they're hunting because living off the land, sustainability, mm-hmm. um, provident living, those kind of things just really strike a chord with me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm slowly totally. trying to convince my wife to move to Alaska so we can just do that full time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> One day. One day. Yeah. One day. So, so Anthony, before before we go here, I would like to leave the audience with, you know, maybe they're not, you know, so into streamer fishing or, or whatnot and they want to get into it. What would be that we already kind of talked about your your favorite go to streamer, but what would be your uh, recommendation to someone that uh, is looking for a good all-around, um, you know, like size and weight, uh, you know, rod and reel combination, line combination to go out and, and, and try their hand at uh, at streamer fishing. So any, I would say any fast action, nine, seven, or eight weight um, okay. as far as your rod. Um, like yeah. a seven weight will be fine. Typically, I go with an eight weight. Um, okay. you can go with a 10 foot rod. Like I have plenty of 10 foot rods. I find for the, for, for lakes, 10 foot is great for the river, at least our river for the Truckee nine foot is a little more manageable, but definitely in that seven to eight weight range. Um, as far as your reel, you definitely don't need anything crazy. Um, you definitely want a decent drag. Um, you don't need like a big saltwater reel. Um, okay. obviously, you know. But a good drag is going to help out, especially if you do get a big boy that wants to run. Um, and then I would say you have to look at what style of streamer – how do you want to fish the streamers? Do you want to do more of like a passive swing or do you want to do more of an active retrieve? Okay. If you're going to do more of a passive swing, you're going to want to stick with like a 10-foot sink tip um, okay. or, short, or, or even shorter. Um, if you're going to do – a more aggressive kind of what I do. Um, you're going to want at least like, I would say 25 to 30 foot sink tip. Um, scientific angler makes a bunch of great lines. Um, and they have a few that are, that are in that kind of category. Um, and you can get them in like a 25 foot sink tip, 30 foot sink tip. Um, and that, what that's going to do is number one, it's going to load your rod really well, that longer sink tip. And it's going to allow your fly to get down and stay down in the strike zone, um, you know, pretty well. Um, and it's going to turn over those bigger, heavier flies that you're going to throw. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Ben, do you have anything for Anthony before we go? You know, I just, I was thinking about you. Uh, you were talking about the afternoon, pretty much most 
people know that's the best time when the sun's on the water. But I've been in San Diego during the week um, for training now for a little while. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I get up at Saturday morning. It's about 6 a.m. and I I can't sleep. And I'm like, I got to get on the trucky. So two weeks ago, I head down there. There's snow on the ground. (laughs) I'm the only guy out. Nothing. But it didn't yeah. even matter. I Just drown the water. Yeah. So, I mean, if you are out there early in the morning when the sun's not out, uh, what is, or, you know, what, what would you go with? Dead drift woolly buggers. Just, like, right. passively, passively swing, like, a couple small buggers. That's what I was doing yesterday. Like, when my, I was out there with my, my switch rod. Um, I had some like small steel head patterns that I was throwing, but, and then I was, all, I was, I was throwing two flies in tandem. Um, and I was using small buggers too. Um, stuff like that. Wow. I yeah, love that you great. said switch rod. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a switch two, rod freak. <laughs> the, the, the two handed game is definitely growing on me. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's yeah. fun. You know, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's a bit of a different style, but you know, it's, it's, it's a good time. It definitely is. So yeah. <laughs> I could divulge on that for a long time. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, hey, Anthony, thank you again for joining us. We, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight on the streamer game um, and on the fish handling techniques. I think on the fun side, the streamer game is definitely for something for people to try and yeah. get out there. And, and, you know, and what a great way to keep active on the water. I'll tell you what, that is one way to keep busy even if even if you walk away with a bingo day of nothing in the net uh you're not going to walk away uh you're going to spend some energy you know and you're you're going to learn about the water uh you're going to learn about your river you're going to learn about your lake um it's definitely going to be a good time i could say that so um Yeah. yeah super awesome well thanks again and hey one more time before we go what was your uh what was your instagram handle so people can check out what you're your, your fly creations and some of your, your catches. Ant underscore Golisano. Ant, A-N-T? Yep. Okay. Yeah. A-N-T underscore Golisano. I spell G-U-L-I-S-A-N-O. Yep. Golisano. It's on the screen, so that's why yeah. I spelled it right. Although I watched it. <laughs> finally. Finally. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. And Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. Right. Great. Yeah, good to see you guys. You too. Hey, and until next time, tight lines. Quarters in session, averted is in. No appeal on the docket today, just my own sin. The walls cold and pale, the cage made of steel.
Feel the pain that was given on a sad 